All right, so before we get started looking at uh, some of the meatier parts of the lesson, some of the parts in the text of the Bible, we're going to do a little bit of a recap looking at not only what we talked about last week, but the week before last, a pop quiz, if you will. And um, so remember from last week, we had that practice or that exercise to make a list, didn't have to be written out, but to make a list and to think about things we do throughout the average week and to think about some opportunities we may have week in and week out to reach out to those who are around us. Um, so we asked these questions, what activity could I replace with something evangelistic in nature? How can I make time for evangelism in my weekly schedule? And what activity can be made to be evangelistic? Maybe, uh, for example, maybe you go to grocery store every day at the same time of the week, and you always get the same teller. You know, that might be a good opportunity. Maybe you go to a restaurant every same day of the week, and you always get the same waitress or waiter. That might be a good opportunity. But what did you guys, did you guys put some thought to this and think about some things in your week? Maybe not that you have to stop doing, but opportunities that may be around you, that maybe you weren't thinking of. Anybody have anything? Yes. Um, just basically what we went over last week, scrolling up mm. on social media and stuff like that. Right. You have the time, but when you have your own time, you just go over that and go to like see whatever news or whatever on the internet. Right. Okay. So, like, if I'm um, teaching or whatever, you know, if you can teach students English through the Bible. Okay. And so, you're able to um, kind of evangelize in that. Right. Right. Yeah, and that's something, let's talk more about that, because I think, I've seen that a couple of times, I've never, now do you have to register, and what's the website, is it WBI, or? Okay, World English Institute. Okay, and well, and essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you register on there. And they have these series of lessons, and they match you up with people online. And you, the whole, I don't want to say, what's what, the whole way it's set up is it's English lessons for people in other countries, and it's like the source material is the Bible. So they're looking at, right, David, like the Bible verses almost to try to learn English. Right. And then you're acting as sort of the teacher or the kind of overseeing the lessons. Yeah. And you toss them through it, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, you, um, you just got a brief slip uh, and go through on the okay. website about how they work and you register and then get an introductory lesson. And, uh, and, well, this is the students, so they get an introductory lesson and then they respond to that. And they send it back and then they, so you fill out, you register as a teacher and then they try to match you. Okay. Um, and what's the website again? Well, 
All right, so World English Institute.org. And they did, I saw they, they usually have a booth at the Florida School of Preaching Lectureship trying to get people to sign up. But um, if you have some downtime and an internet connection, might be something worth, worth pursuing. I think that's pretty cool. Um, maybe a more constructive way to spend, uh, spend some of our time. Very nice. All right, anybody else have anything? Anybody think about what they do throughout the week? Maybe put a little, I'm not talking about, you know, having a Bible study with somebody in public. So I don't know if they kick you out or not, but um, I don't think they would. Would they fail? What do you think? No? Um, but that, we're not saying you take that step, but just mention something to somebody. You know, anybody else have any ideas? Work, school? Okay. Yes, Okay. And we were just surely had some of those ladies popped in to come into our ladies' day. Oh, yeah. I thought we really had a lot of questions about it. Yeah. And we said there was no charge. Oh, it's free, they said. Right. But they didn't show up, but they did express a lot of interest. So okay, well, cool. Yeah, at least you invited them, right? So that's a car class, and it's just like something in the community, sort of? Yes. Okay, cool. Cool. There you go. Anybody else have anything? I know the people who help out with the food pantry already have that going on pretty much, right? Able to spend all that time with those people who come in. And I know at least most of them, we talk to them, we give them a card with, and we invite them and we try to, try to have those conversations with them. So that's good. Um, anybody have any ideas? Even if you haven't really thought about this, something just, maybe you were struck with some inspiration just a second ago. Yes, uh, our Monday night Bible study that we have in the park. Right. And we've been having about 18 to 20. And just from talking to people in the park, there was two women who came Monday night that had never been there before. Okay, great. So, yeah. I know a fair number live in the park with you yes. that go here, so that's a good, a good opportunity. And even if you live in a community like that, if they have those community events, you know, that might be a good opportunity to go and to, to make some friends and to, and to strike up some conversations. Um, yeah, I was kind of reminded too on Facebook, you know, I always try to, whenever I'm on there, kind of keep my eyes peeled for stuff from people who I know aren't Christians, and I could comment on there, send them a message, you know, if somebody's sharing, they're going through a hard time, or a family member's going through a hard time, I talk about, you know, uh, praying for you, and stuff like that, and even, uh, one thing I do, and I know that this kind of goes against the book, but, I don't know, it might lead to something, because, um, you know, the book's all about making friends and stuff like that, but... These WVBS cards we have in the foyer, I think, are really great. And you could put, you could scroll, I mean, just write maybe your phone number or something on the back of them. And I try to get in the habit of leaving them at a restaurant when I pay in the little 
what's that called? Little booklet, you know, they give you. Make sure you tip decent, though, because otherwise, you know, they might think, I don't know. Um, that's one thing, you know, try to have a good disposition and leave that behind, and that is a little website they can go to, and um, what's it called? You know, watch about the plan of salvation or something. I have a, you can get a, if you don't want people blowing up your phone, and you want to give a phone number out, you can download an app on your phone called Google Voice, and it gives you a phone number that's not your phone number that you use within the app, and you can give that number to people, I think, for some Bible studies and stuff, and that's the number I write on the back of some of those cards uh, when I hand them out and try to be friendly to people. Anybody else have anything? No. And maybe we got a family member we talked to. Oh, sorry. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. start trying to capitalize on um, going and talking to people. And really between Sunday school and worship is a good time. Right. Right, definitely. And I think it's kind of, um, what's that phrase? And I'm not trying to trivialize evangelism, but, you know, one in the hands worth two in the bush sort of thing. You know, how often do non-Christians come and visit us and I mean, that's uh, beyond what's being said in the sermon. That's an opportunity for us to get to know them, shake their hands and whatnot. Um, and of course, we've got the official follow-up where Bob and I call them and we send them a letter or something. But if we can make them feel welcome and warm here, that's certainly something we should try to do. Um, so if somebody walks in, you don't know them, try to get to know them. I think that'd be a good thing to do. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, great, great. There you go. There you go. Okay, great, great. I'm glad to hear that. That's another good thing. Just invite somebody to church. And there's some people who, um, they don't go to church because they're not invited. But if they were invited, they would go, you know. And that's an easy way to, to get things going. And hopefully, if they have more questions or if they are um, interested, then uh, that's something that can be capitalized <coughs> by some of the people here. So that's great. Oh, All right. Yes, ma'am. We had a visitor Sunday, and I just welcomed her here. Mm -hmm. Got her name and everything. Told her how happy she was that she was here. And I actually got a little note in the mail today thanking you for being so friendly. Oh, wow. I thought that was so sweet. There you go. Yeah, she thanked you for that. That's fantastic. Uh, so you never know how those things can, what that can lead to. So that's great. Um, well, good. Just, I think something to keep in mind, even little things like that can have a big impact down the road. All right, so we're doing our quiz again real quick, and we're going we're gonna to rattle through these uh, so we can get on to the lesson. But, oh, hold on. What's the first step? All right, eight people know that's great. Here, what's the second one? Believe, all right. Man, 
I feel like I'm a dentist or something. Pull the teeth out here. Okay. What's the third one? Okay, repent. And the fourth one? Confess. There we go. Fifth one? Baptize. All right, that's pretty good. All right, who's got the verse for here? Who knows the verse for here? We're raising hands now. First one up. Yes, sir. Romans 10, 17. Very good. Watch it bounce in there. That's pretty cool. All right, who else? Uh, sorry, the one for um, believe. Who's got the one for believe? Nobody? John 8, 24 is one of them. That's good. And I'm to the point now where I'll take, if it's on, even if it's not the one up there, if it's on point, we'll take it. John 3.16. There we go. I know some of y'all, other people had your hands up. I appreciate that. John 3.16, that's the one we're going with. But John 8.24 is another good one. Jesus says, unless you believe that I am he, you'll surely die in your sins. So that's a good reminder. Hebrews 11.6 is another good one. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. All right, so repent. Who's got the one for repent? Let's raise our hand. Let's try to spread the wealth a little bit. See if anybody else knows one. Miss Linda? Acts 2.38, that works. That works. Anybody know the one on the board? 3.19, Acts 3.19, very good. By 2.38, you're right. Peter says to repent, to be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. I don't want to spoil coming up, but confess. This is the easiest one. Confess. Romans 10.10, 10. there you go. 10.10. 10. Pretty easy to remember. All right, and then be baptized. We can just say this one together. Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38. Perfect. There's a lot of different ones you can go to. 1 Peter 3.21. Um, Mark 16.16. 16. My opinion, Acts 2.38 is kind of the biggest, you know, because you have somebody asking the question, of what do I need to do? And you see the, the answer right there. Uh, so good. And I'm going to assume... Well, I'm not going to say anything. Okay. So just remember this, and we're all going to have those little cheat sheets coming out soon. But until we get the cheat sheets, we're going to have some quizzes. So uh, get these down if you lost your paper with them on them, because we're going to come back to this. Romans 10, 17, John 3, 16, Acts 3, 19, Romans 10, 10, and Acts 2, 38. Okay. All right, lesson two, share a story, don't sell a product. Share a story, don't, don't sell a product. And I know sometimes that word story makes us uncomfortable. I'm not saying what we have in the Bible is fiction. Don't get me wrong. I mean story as in, you know, we sing that song, heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory. That's how I mean it. Uh, you know, these things that actually happened. Jesus came down, died for our sins, was raised, ascended, and now because of that we have hope. So we're talk about that a little bit. Um, has anybody sat through a bad sales pitch before? Yeah? Anybody have an example? Somebody trying to sell you something? Car? Any car, right? Yeah. <laughs> just about. How about those insurance sales? No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, cemetery plots? Oh, man. I've never experienced that. Imagine, imagine that would be a hard one. Stock? So I'll try to sell you on some stock. 
Make sure, uh, make, you gotta make sure people are legit if they're selling stock. You don't wanna give that to the wrong person, for sure. Uh, how to make you feel when you're sitting through a bad sales pitch? Uncomfortable, yeah. And it's kind of like, well, you know I don't want it, but I know you have to do this, and I'm not necessarily gonna go anywhere, but we both are expecting the same outcome, right? A lot of times. Um, remember one time there was a door-to-door -door salesman in our neighborhood. I don't even know what he was selling. And uh, I was in the kitchen right by where the door is to our house, to one of the doors, the main one. And this guy knocked on the door real suddenly and real loud. And I was like, oh man. And I opened the door and he could tell I was kind of flustered. And my grandpa was in the kitchen with me. Um, and his opening line was, I'm not going to hurt you. And my grandpa said, we know, and slammed the door in his face. <laughs> um, I don't know if that was that guy's first time out, but if your opening line is, I'm not going to hurt you, uh, it's probably not going to go anywhere. Um, sometimes, if we're not careful, we can kind of let the gospel be one of those things we're trying to, to sell to somebody. And obviously, I think we all know, I don't think anybody in this room would be doing it to kind of get some gain out of it. And he just means in the book, when he talks about avoiding a sales pitch, you know, we don't want it to be this kind of cheesy thing where if somebody feels like they just have to sit there and listen to us. Um, we want to kind of make it something that is, I want to say, palatable to the ears, if that makes sense. And it's not that we're trying to deceive them with smooth words or anything like that, but there's nothing wrong with investing just a little bit of a time to get to know somebody where some of that awkwardness is, um, is um, what's it called, worn off. Now, I'm not a business major. I never studied business. I've never owned a business or operated a business. I did sell some popcorn with the Cub Scouts one time. I don't think that counts. Um, but I got some buddies who are all into business and stuff, and they say, and you get, some of y'all probably know this, you know, businesses don't really expect to get much out of what they call, I think they call it a, a cold call or a first-time contact. They don't necessarily expect to sell anything to a first-time contact. You know, but if there's somebody you have a rapport with, somebody who maybe they were using your product and they stopped or something like that, those are the people they sort of start to prioritize because they know they're more willing to, to go along with, with what's going on. It's not that we're trying to sell anything or confuse anybody. Uh, but it's probably the same thing in our life. You know, we've got people who we could have a, a pretty honest conversation with them and talk about some of these things without it seeming cold or awkward. And that isn't to disparage door knocking or anything like that. Those are all great methods to get the word out. Um, but also, we, we can't forget about the people around us who would be willing to sit with us and, and have those kinds of conversations. And we, we should be looking for those opportunities as well. So we're going to look at some insights from John 4, 5 through 11, if you would turn there with me in your Bibles. John 4, <laughs> I made a mistake. It says 5 through 11 on there and on the piece of paper, but it's really 5 through 15. Uh, so if you have a pen or something, you want to fix that or just keep that in mind. John 4, 5 through 15. And this is a, an account we're familiar with. This is Jesus with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. But I want us to pay attention to a couple of the details here that may be easy to overlook uh, if the story's familiar with us or if we've, we've uh, 
read it a lot before. So the first, well, we're going to read John 4. Somebody read for us John 4, 5 through 8. Somebody read that for us. Thank you. So the first thing we're going to look at from here is position yourself to interact. In other words, position yourself to interact with others. Um, if I'm not mistaken, somebody can check me on this. David, you might know, or somebody else. The sixth hour, that's noon, right? Um, by Jewish time, right? That's noon. And that's probably what that is. So think about, think about that. How, what are the odds of meeting somebody at a well in a desert-type place at high noon? Think it's somewhat likely? No, maybe. Maybe, if you're thirsty, right? If you're thirsty, it might be a little warmer. Um, but since the disciples went to go get food, I'm not sure what they got. I always wonder that, what that food was like. But I don't know if it was like a burrito or some trail mix or what. But... They're off getting food, and Jesus is at this well with this woman. And notice what he says. Uh, does he start with the spiritual stuff right away? No, what does he say? Give me a drink. We might read that and think that's a little rude. You know, we'd say, man, could I please, would you mind fetching me some water? Um, but it wasn't in this, in this culture. He could just say that to her. Give me a drink. And her response, uh, which we'll look at in a second, is pretty interesting. But notice that. Notice how it just starts out. I and mean, this is a pretty, except for a couple of details, which we'll look at, this is a pretty average thing. But he's positioning himself. For whatever reason, he doesn't go with his disciples to go get the food with them, which I think is interesting. Instead, he's hanging out at the well. The woman comes, and he initiates. He just says, give me a drink. And then notice what she says. I think this is pretty interesting here. I have be willing to do what is rarely done. Um, notice this interaction. Somebody read verses, well, really, just verse 9. We'll just read that together. And the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Excuse me. And we have that little inspired, almost commentary on what's going on. It says, For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And that's something that I think most of us here, pretty good Bible students, is something we know because of how Samaritans were viewed at that time. And if you look back in the history of Israel, um, I forgot, I need to brush up myself on some of my Old Testament history, but um, you've got droves of people who are not Jewish, Babylonian individuals coming into that area and settling there. And then, of course, they interbreed with some of the people who were left behind, and they create... Uh, not, uh, Create, like not in a lab, you know, they uh, produce these individuals who they're not pure-blooded, we might say, right? They're not really 100% Jewish. And beyond the ethnic differences, there also are some religious differences. And it was very popular for Jews at that time, depending on how prideful they may have been, to look down on these individuals. And there's a couple times where Jesus, it's mentioned in the Gospels because it's an interesting thing where he cuts through 
Samaritan places, going where he's going. And instead of most Jews going around that area, he would cut through it. Um, and there's a couple instances where he wasn't treated that well, where he was rejected a place at an inn when he was going through with his disciples once before. But notice that it wasn't, it wasn't that he was doing something that's rare and it was rude or shocking. It was shocking because it was a good thing. It almost reminds me of, you know, if we do a, you know, a random act of kindness to somebody or real friendly and warm to somebody who we otherwise might not well that much, might not know that well, it can almost be a sort of shocking thing, right? And I have it here on the, on the sheet, I uh, think. Yeah, for Jesus, souls are more important than social norms. I'm not saying we do something rude, but what if we talk to that somebody who might not be expecting us to talk to them? Whether it's a visitor here or somebody uh, in our community or somebody at a restaurant or whatever it may be, you know. I know I've got some friends that are waiters and waitresses. They're not really treated that well a lot of the time. You know, if we go in there, we treat them like, almost like we're being served by our brother or our sister. You'd think that would, huh, might, might make them think. And I have some friends who are waiters and waitresses that they say, they're almost drawing straws to see who has the work Sunday mornings after church. Because they say sometimes that's the, the rudest crowd. And what if we switch that up? You know, we were, we were overly pleasant. Not fake, but just think and be intentional and say, you know what, I'm going to make sure I show this person the love of Jesus. So Jesus was willing to do something that was unusual. And obviously, it obviously caught her attention. Okay, and the next thing is making the connection. And we're going to read in these verses that Jesus was able to take um, something from her life, the situation around them, and he was able to connect it to a spiritual truth. And we see Jesus do that a lot. I know we're not as creative as Jesus, and we don't really have the same liberty he does with some of these metaphors maybe, but we can take situations with people who we know, things going on in their life, and make some spiritual application to them. And even if it seems like that's fallen on deaf ears, even if we say that and they just shrug it off, I think it's still something worth doing. But notice uh, Jesus there. Somebody read that for us. John 4, 10 through 15. Thank you. Um, really, a couple of interesting things here, but I, I love how Jesus inserts this spiritual topic uh, in a natural way in this conversation, drawing a parallel to something the woman's experiencing right then and there. And the first thing he starts with, verse 10, is his own identity. And I think for a lot of people we talk to, that's a good starting point with Jesus. And they might feel like they have a relationship with Jesus, they might feel like they know Jesus. But Jesus usually is a good starting point. And I found even in my life with my relatives who might not be religious, who might not even be believers, 
most of them, if not all of them, have some respect for Jesus, which I think is really interesting. Um, my dad even doesn't believe in God the way we would describe God for sure. Um, doesn't believe in the God of the Bible. But he'll pray to Jesus, which I know, you know. Um, but still, think about how interesting that is for, to not believe in God, but to pray to Jesus. And I'm not saying God's pleased with that or anything like that, but it goes to show that even people who might be estranged from God know nothing about the Bible, know something at least about Jesus, right? And my dad will say, well, Jesus is special. Jesus is this. Jesus is that. And a lot of our conversations to each other have started on Jesus because I know that's some common ground we have. You know, Jesus, um, he respects Jesus. That's a good place to start. And we've had conversations that ended certain ways and you know, he said before, and I've shared this with some of you, we had a real good conversation one time, a long conversation. And it started with him asking me the question, wow, time flies when you're having fun. Um, I'll share this shortly, then we'll, we'll kind of wrap up. But it started with him asking me the question, he says, you don't think I'm going to hell just because I don't go to your church, do you? Which is a loaded question. Um, and I said, well, Dad, you know, it's not really my church, it's Jesus' church. And that, you know, started its own conversation. And he said, well, you know, you know I think Jesus is special. And I said, yeah, I know that. But, you know, if we really think Jesus is special and we respect him, we'll do what he asks us to do. And he looked at me and he said, son, I'm just not willing to do that. Well, he was really honest with me, right? And we've had conversations since then, but that led to a point where he at least admitted to me that he wasn't willing to do what he knew Jesus had asked him to do. Um, but Jesus can be a good starting point. Even Jesus starts with his own identity here with the woman at the well. Uh, but notice a couple of these things and we'll end. In verses 11 through 12, Jesus' response to this woman gets her to think and to ask questions. Notice that? He's not necessarily supplying. He's not thinking for her. He gets her to think and ask questions. Wait a second, this water. Where's this water? I want some of this water. Are you, you don't even have anything to fetch water with. How are you going to give me water? And then Jesus answers to her about the living water. And this is where he really brings it full circle. He's discussing a need that the woman had in her life. How often do you think that woman in that culture, in that area, had to fetch water at that well? She couldn't just go to the, the pipe and turn it on and get fresh water. And she had to walk out, you know, whoever knows how long to go get that water and then carry it back. And this man's talking about water you don't need to fetch. And she says, wow, I'd love to have some of that water. And of course, Jesus ends up relating to her that that's spiritual, and she ends up getting that point. But I think it's really interesting that Jesus addresses a need that she has in her life, and in that way, he's able to introduce something to her that's interesting uh, about this spiritual truth. Um, so I think we can really learn from Jesus here. Um, he didn't necessarily stand up on a soapbox somewhere yelling at people who walked by. But he made the gospel interesting. He connected it with people's lives. He tried to identify needs that they had in their own lives. And if you're a friend with somebody, you don't have to ask them what they need. They'll tell you, right? They'll bring those things up. And they usually want somebody to listen to them. And if we can listen to them and bring some of those things up, we might be able to have a good impact. Remember, Jesus started with the basics. Jesus started with who he was. Sometimes we want to start with things that may be a little bit complicated, um, like instrumental music or something like that. And I'm not saying those things can't be talked about, 
Um, but if we're having those conversations with people who don't respect Bible authority, who don't even know that God loves them, you know, it's, it's usually not going to go anywhere. Um, but if there's somebody who believes in God and knows all those things, and maybe that's just the one area where they might be off, that's one thing. But starting fresh with people with the basics can really be, really be something powerful. All right, so we're going to stop there. I want you guys to notice um, the AIM approach, and that's from Acts 22, verses 1 through 22. Um, the homework this week, and I know we're doing the chronological Bible reading plan, this, I promise you, will take about maybe three minutes tops just to read that and to read Acts 22, 1 through 22, and notice some things that Paul does in this interaction that's recorded with us, and we'll start next week looking at this and talking about this. Uh, so Acts 22, 1 through 22, uh, you will not regret it, I promise you. Uh, thanks for being here, thanks for listening, and that's all I've got.